Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along with Justin Anafrio. And welcome back, James Boaknight, as UConn last night beat Providence 73-61. James Boaknight had 18 points. Tyrese Martin also had 18. And uh, R.J. Cole had 13. I mean, UConn did a really good job on Providence's scores. I mean, they held uh, David Duke to 3 of 16 shooting, 3 of 16 from the field, only held him to 11 points. They held uh, they held, they held Watson to 6. They held uh, A.J. Reeves to uh, 9 points, so they did a really good job defensively. I thought this was their best all-around game of the year. I mean – Beginning of the game, it was a little bit even uh, at, at the beginning, but the UConn started to pull away at the start at the end of the first half. Start of the second half, they started to pull away too. Really controlled this game. We're up pretty much by 15 to 17 points for the majority of the second half. Obviously, Providence went on a little bit of a run late there at the end, but because the, but the score was not indicative of how the game was played. Great game by UConn, a team that last night really, really proved why they should be, especially with James Boaknight, why they should be an NCAA tournament team. Oh, no doubt. You know, what a difference six days makes when they played Providence, you know, last Wednesday. They could do nothing offensively. You bring back James Knight, who's great, and he just opens up the whole, the whole offense. And you can just see it just – it takes a weight off of everybody else's shoulders when he's on the floor. And you could see that last night. You know, Martin had 16 of his 18 in the first half. He was great kind of being his sidekick last night. Um, you know, Josh Carlson gave you some solid minutes as well. But, yeah, that was a really, really solid performance. You know, to hold Nate Watts and David Duke to 17 points combined, and they both averaged 17, um, you know, a game, that, you know, that, that's impressive. And, you know, I really liked the way their defense played last night. If their defense could play like that night in and night out, they're going to be fine because now with Jane Milk Knight, they're going to be able to score 70, 70-plus every night. If they can hold teams to the 60s, you know, low 70s, they're, they're going to be able to win a lot of ball games. You can just see it's a totally different team with on the floor, and it's great to see him back out there. Oh, absolutely. And you saw, I mean, he couldn't be stopped going to the basket. A little bit concerned that he really couldn't shoot a lot. Of, he didn't shoot – he only attempted, I think, one three last night, but he was unstoppable getting to the basket. They, Providence could not stop uh, Boknight getting to the hoop. He was he was outstanding getting to the basket. And, and also they got contributions. Tyrese Martin was on last night. R.J. Cole was on last night too. And, you know, Tyler Polly played well off the bench. Uh the rest, the rest of the team didn't score that much, but Whaley was pretty good defensively as well. So, you know, just an, just an all-around really, really good performance by this team. I mean, in a game they needed to win, Joe Lenardi had them, one of the first four out in his in his, in his bracketology, had them one of the first four out. So this was a game that UConn needed to win. They are ready to play. And this was just, just just a really, really good win for this team last night. It, it totally was to get the uh, payback game be in a big spot at home, you know, with Nova looming this weekend. Yeah, it, it was um, a really nice win for him. And, and yeah, you know, they got contributions. Cole's been good the last few games. Um, you know, I even like Carlton at 7.7 rebounds. off. You know, it was a good night when Josh Carlton played well. You know, it's yeah. a good night when he plays well. Yeah, it is. You know, they usually they have success when he plays well. You know, Martin playing well. You know, Jackson wasn't great last night, but with his athleticism and all, you know, what he brings, you know, like he doesn't need to, you know, have to have double digits every night. 
But, you know, again, I think he'll play better this weekend. So, yeah, you know, just an all-around great performance. You can kind of just see it was a one-year anniversary, too, when I could cook Tori's Achilles. So they wanted to get that win for him as well. And, oh. it, you know, they did it, and they put well. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy you brought up Andre Jackson, his defense. His defense was really, really – him and Tyree Smart, his, def- his defense was really good on David Duke last night. I mean, David Duke scored 11 points, but they, they really shut him down from the field. Three of 16 from the field. It just seemed like he was off all night. And the same thing with what they did with uh, Watson, with Nate Watson. They completely contained him too. The, the, in, the pre, in the first meeting uh, uh, down in Providence, the, they, had, uh, they both had 17 points. Last night, it was a completely different story. Watson was held to six points, and David Duke was – did not shoot the ball well at all. So really, really good job, you know, cont- containing those two guys. And I just like the way this team is right now. I like, really like the way they're starting to play together. As we saw by the end of – we saw at the end of last year with Knight, this team really started to come together. Yes, and in the beginning of the year we saw it this year. But then, you know, when Knight left, they struggled. But now I think this team is really, really starting to come together. And um, and Knight did get hurt a little bit last night. But you hear, you hear you, he's okay, right? Yeah, just a cramp. So okay, just a cramp. Okay, it should be fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's, and it's going to be exciting, you know, going into this weekend playing a team like Villanova. You know, so I'm I'm really excited. And I uh, mean, we get a, Sean, a comment from Sean. He says Andre Jackson's been getting better every game. Come the injuries, 100 percent right about that. Yeah. You know, the defense that he played last night was outstanding for this team. Outstanding, outstanding. Yeah, and he was hurt during the summer too, so he missed most of the summer workouts, and then he got hurt again. So yeah, it's kind of been a tough year for Jackson, but yeah, it finally looks like he's getting in a groove and he, he's been playing really, really well uh, last few games coming back. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, here's the thing about this team. The key to this team is uh, I, I think right now they're a top three team with, with James Bogan to me, they're a top three team in the big East. I mean, because of, you know, you said the game that they lost their one game, they lost with Bogan to Creighton that went to overtime, double overtime and, and, uh, and Bokenai had 40 points. So I think this is a top three team. And I know the Big East is not, I mean, we're not, we're not, they're not the, it's not the Big 12, it's not the Big 10, but this year, but I think this is definitely a top three team in, in, in the Big East with, with James Bokenai. And, uh, and, and if RJ Cole's on, and if Tyrese Martin's on, because those are their three best players. And if they get contri- con- uh, contributions from Tyler, probably come off the bench. If Willie's defense could play a factor, if uh, Andre Jackson's defense could play a factor, this team could win the Big East and they can make some noise in March. Oh yeah, definitely. The, the way they're playing, you know, the Big East, it's it's a pretty young conference right now. Um, a lot of teams got some young talent, but yeah, I, you know, they're picked four. Problem just picked third, I think, just because of Duke and Watson. I think. Why were they, they picked third? That, 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 that's a that, that's a bad pick to that pick them high. third in the conference. That, that, that's way too high for that team, in my opinion. Really, outside of Watson and Duke and Reeves, that team's not good at all. It's not that good. I mean, I don't think they're a bad team, but they're not that good. No, they're they're mediocre in this conference. I like um. Alden breathed that freshman, but that yeah, that's about it. Yeah, he you had know, four. He had four, I think he had four. He had fourteen points last night. I saw. Yeah, he played well, but the rest of the team with the other three guys you mentioned, yeah, there's there's not much. I, you know, I think they just saw Duke and Watson was going to carry that the team this year. They have, but again, you play a team like UConn, they're going to struggle at full strength. But I I think do think UConn can be very dangerous in March. If they're sitting there as a ten seed, uh, you know, a nine even. Uh, you, you probably want to avoid the eight nine game, but. I, I, they, they really could with the way they can score. And Bogne, I, I feel like we haven't seen him in March yet, but he's the type of guy that can go get you a bucket whenever you need one. And that's how you win in March. And he's that guy. And I also think, you know, Cole can take all pressures on him some nights. You know, Martin, we kind of saw last night, was able to do that. Again, I, you know, I hope Sanago, I think, to be able to do that um, as well. I like when they, when they feed him down low. 
So yeah, I, I do think this team is going to be very dangerous. The way they play defense, they don't they don't need to play shootouts now with James Volknight back. As long as they keep teams in the 60s and 70s, your low 70s, they should be fine. Yeah, because you know with Boknight, this team's going to score at least 65 points because Boknight's going to score when he's there. He's scoring at least 15 to 20 points every game. So you know you're getting that from Boknight. So you, you know you're getting probably like 65 points a game when he's when he's out there. So I, I think, yeah, you, know, you don't you don't need to go get into shootouts. You just need to just, you know, play good defense. Uh, and, and I think they'll score enough points. And I, I don't see this team. I mean, I know they're on the bubble right now. They're not, you know, there's four teams. I think that are three teams that are in the tournament from the Big East. I think it's uh, it's obviously Creighton and uh, and Villanova. But I think Xavier's the other team. And they're they're falling apart now, too. Seton Hall, yeah. Seton Hall, yeah, Seton Hall beat UConn, too. So they're, they're in the tournament as well. So we got four teams. But I think UConn right now is as good or better than, I'd even say, any of those four teams. Yeah, you could. You know, we, you know I know you – me were going back and forth in the Nova game. They didn't look great Saturday. You know, they're they're a beatable team. You you mentioned it earlier. They should have beat Creighton at home the first time. They hung with them on the road, you know, for a while. They kind of lost it late, but they hung on with Creighton. I think they could be seen Hall again, which I think they do play um they do play coming it, up March third. Yeah, Mark that Wednesday night uh down there. Yep. Yeah. So like again, yeah, I, I I do think they could be an anybody in this conference right now. They got one of the best players in the conference, James Volk Knight. And they, I think they have like one of the best. I know like their three point defense right now is the best in the Big East. That that's how you have to beat Nova. You know, you got to chase them off the three, three point line. But yeah, I, they could make a run in, at the Garden and, and win this thing. It would not shock me. They, if they play together and you know everybody stays healthy, they def, they definitely can make a run in March. Absolutely. And speaking of the Nova game, let's let's move on to that one. Big game, obviously, on a Saturday. You got UConn going to Villanova. Nova top 10 team, you know, with Colin Gillespie, James Earl Robinson. Uh, you got Samuels, uh, Moore. This is a good team, very well-coached team. But in my opinion, I saw them play on Saturday. This is a this is a winnable game for UConn, especially with James Boknight back. But the, what they're going to need, though, is James Boknight to hit some threes. They can't live with him because Nova's going to stop him getting to the basket. He's not going to get to the basket as quick as he did against Providence. That's not going to be that. It's not going to be that way against Nova. He's not going to be able to get to the basket the way he did against Providence in this game. So he's going to have to hit some threes for UConn to win this game. And they're going to have, and they're going to have, and UConn's going to have to contain Gillespie and they're going to have to contain Earl Robinson. So who would, who scares you more on that in this Nova team? Is it Earl Robinson or is it is or is it Gillespie? I'd say it's probably more of an. Um... Robinson Earl or yeah, um, Robinson Earl, I guess. Robinson Earl, yeah. Um, I think it's him because the way he can score and rebound, I think it's a tough matchup. I think for him, I think you know if Willie can play solid defense, I think he could um slow him down a bit. But I think he's kind of the one. If he plays well, nobody usually wins. If if he's not really on his game, nobody usually loses. You know, like Saturday, he went eight eight point seven rebounds. Um, but you know, in the wins. He had 27 and 8 last week against Marquette in a win. So if he's going, Nova's offense is really, really hard to stop. But I think Willie um could slow him down, but they're gonna need him. They're gonna need him to to um because he can do it all over. He can score from all over the place. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously it's obviously it's gonna be a tough game, gonna be a really good test for this team. But I mean, yeah, because we saw last year when they played him. And uh, I thought Nova was a li- I even I thought last year they might have been a little bit better. Uh, I don't know if they were better, but they were close to as good as they were this year. I mean, they, that was a tough game with they, they played them tough last year on the road. Yeah, they did. It was um they, yeah they game that was kind of one of the first games where we saw them just uh, 
end up blowing a few that that streak that they had in uh, January, early February, where they just could not finish games. Yeah, and you know, different team now. Yeah, they should have won that game. Um, this probably, I mean, this Nova team, this whole roster is back from last year. It, it, it's a veteran team. They were coming off the shutdown a few weeks ago, but um, the thing about this team is, it's an, it, you know, they don't have a ton of NBA talent. You know, J- Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to be an NBA guy, but the rest of them, they're just all really good college basketball. Yeah, players. that's the thing, and, and I think James yeah. Bokna is the best player on the floor. I think he's better than. Uh... Than Robinson, Robinson. Earl. I, yeah, I think he's better than him. I think he's the best player on the floor. I think it's the, that's the advantage UConn has. Yeah, it, it totally will. It could be. I, you know, um, you know, I, I'd probably take Bogue Knight over him as, as well. And yeah, um, if Bogue Knight can hit some shots, definitely, yeah, they, they definitely really could win. It's tough to go into Nova and win. But yeah, if, if James Bogue Knight is on and he got, if he gets some help from other guys, I definitely could see UConn taking them out and winning this game. The big thing is, you know, with Nova, it's chasing them off the three-point line. They run that NBA-style offense. They're going to try to, you know, the isolation, one-on-one stuff. Um, but, look, if UConn's – because UConn's been pretty good closing out on three-point shooters. If they can do that, if they can make Nova take a lot of concession shots, they they definitely could win this game. Because Nova's defense, I think, is, like, ranked 90th in defense efficiency. I think that may be even a little high for them. They, they're not anything special defensively. So I think they can be able to score some points. Because the thing is, they don't have a pink guy. They don't really have a, a shot. And that's, what I noticed about, that's what I noticed about Nova and Creighton is they really don't really have anybody good inside. They really don't really have much size. They really rely on how they shoot the three. Yeah. And, again, it's I know in this day and age, a lot of teams love the win and die by the three-point shot. I'm not all for that, but especially you know, in college basketball, when you're not as when you're not as good as you're, when you're not as good shooting the three, you do. I feel like you still need to have a pretty good inside game in college basketball. No, you, you definitely do. You know, because they don't have that Omar um, Spillman from that national championship team or the Daniel Chuway. Like they don't have that shot blocker inside. So, you know, as we talk, Gene Bogna, if he can somehow get to the lane, there's nobody that's going to stop him. You know, they don't have that shot blocker. They don't have that interior guy. You know, that, that could be one thing I worry about for UConn is we've seen, like, St. John's kind of expose them on the drive when they had to play small. If you, you know, having a cook may be nice, but, again, I think he's hurting too, it sounds like, right now. Again, for As we got a comment from from Sean. He says, uh, Whaley and Sinago could take over inside against Nova. That's a really good yeah. point. And they are going to need to. I think that's the it's two advantages for UConn in this game. James Boknight, best player on the floor, best player on the floor, and the advantage that UConn has inside. Those are two huge advantages UConn has going into this game. No, they they definitely do. It'll be it'll be interesting how we play because we you know the St. John's game, which is kind of very similar. I feel like with the style that that um, Nova's going to play, you know, um, the small ball with, you know, it's a tough matchup for Sonago with his defense. He's going to have to play out in the perimeter. Um, you know, I hope because, yeah, if he gets the ball and he get touches inside, there's nobody that's going to be able to stop him. And Willie, yeah, I think could have a big day inside too. So, yeah, if they can get in the paint and be able to finish their shots, I think they should be fine. Attack the offensive glass. And I think they they definitely could come away in this game. I, I expect you kind of hang with them toe-to-toe. Me too. My prediction, though, is that Nova – wins close. I think they win it. They win it really, really close. I think it's like a, you know, maybe I think it's a one possession game, maybe a two or three point game, but I think it's gonna be really close. What's your prediction? I do have Nova winning a tight close one. It's going to be, you know, close, definitely a close one. Hopefully 
Nova's going to slow you down. It, that worries me too a bit. They got to speed up Nova. Nova, for all the threes they take, they don't, they're, they're not up tempo. They're going to slow it down and they're going to run their offense and usually hit shots. But if they could speed them up, they can't turn the ball over because Nova is first in the country in uh, turnovers per game. They only average like nine a game. They, they take care of the ball. And at times UConn doesn't. They got to take care of the ball and cannot give Nova easy shots. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we wrap up talking about UConn, the big question I have is, should the committee look at UConn differently now that they have James Boaknight? Should they look at their record with James Boaknight and look at their record without James Boaknight? Should the committee look at them differently in terms of making the NCAA tournament? I think you have to. I think, you know, obviously you cannot take the losses out when James Boaknight's there. Obviously, you know, those count and everything. But I think I think the committee is going to view them differently with the healthy James Bokenite. Because you can just see the confidence out there with everybody. Um, you can just see how how he elevates everybody else around him, I feel like. And, you know, when you have to keep a close eye on him when he's on the floor, they have guys that can make plays, as we've mentioned. You know, Martin, Cole, Sonago. You know, again, it kind of opens up some stuff for Polly if he can knock down his shot. So, yeah, I, I think the committee does have to view them a lot differently because even the style of play we've seen, they cannot run a half-court offense. It take 25 seconds. They have to play off-tempo, which they do with James Bognight on the floor. So, yeah, I, I think the committee will view them differently with a healthy Bognight than when he was out. And in my opinion, I think looking at their upcoming schedule, they got they got Villanova on the road. That's going to be a tough one. But they got two games they should win next week. They got, you know, at Georgetown and then uh, then Marquette at home. And then to wrap it up, they got uh, Seton Hall and then Georgetown again. So really, out of the uh, out of the, I think it's six out of the uh, I think it's five or six games. Uh, I think let me count. Uh, I think out of the five games left, two of them are tough. Obviously, going to be at Seton Hall and at Villanova, and then three of them are, are winnable games. The at the two Georgetown games and Marquette. So they really should finish this season. At worst, they really should should finish the year uh, thirteen and seven. You hope they end up finishing uh, fourteen and six. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I could see them going four and one, three, two. Georgetown's getting better. I, you know, the town's starting. They're, you know, they're starting to play better. So that's not going to be a walk in the park like I think a lot of us may have thought at the beginning of the year. But I think though, yeah, they should win those. They should get Marquette. It should not be like a cool. So you know, they should not fall behind by eighteen. But you know, I, I they can beat Seton Hall on the road with a boat night. They can even beat Nova. So yeah, I, I think four and one are probably the most realistic. Four and one, three and two. I feel like. Probably the best odds. It's going to be tough to go five and all. Would it shock me? No, but you know, I'd say four and one, and you know, I think that would look pretty good with Bogdanovich back. What seed would you think they get if they go like four and one and beat Seton Hall? Probably, I would say probably at that point, probably the four, three or four seed. Do you think in the Big East tournament? Big East tournament. Yeah, I'd probably say a three because they beat Xavier. Because they beat Xavier. Yeah, it's going to be weird because. The, the winning percentage and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Weird number. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably think they yeah. – so they're two back of Seton Hall – or they're one, two back in the win column of Seton Hall. I think they could probably finish third because then St. John's is two back of them. I'd say they probably finish third. They can four and one. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting. They, they just got if, – if they finish in the top six, they got to buy regardless because there's – or would it be – no, yeah. would it be top – would it be top – It's or, it would be top Six five. 11, be, no, top five, yeah, top, top five. five. So they just have to finish in the top five to get a buy yeah. because yeah, now because there's eleven teams in the Big East. So yeah. if they're because six through six or eleven play on Wednesday, and if they get if they finish in the top five, they would get a buy in the Big East tournament. 
Yeah, which again, uh, they 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 really should be able to do. I, you know, uh, they should definitely be finish the top half and maybe their first buy I think since what 2014, I believe. <laughs> That's crazy to think of, yeah. Which is crazy. So yep, yep. yeah, yeah, I think they pretty much, as long as they don't fall apart here at the end, they yeah, they they should have that buy for Thursday. Absolutely, absolutely. So on Sunday, Michigan and Ohio, Michigan Ohio State play. They didn't play in football this year, but they have a big game in basketball. It's number three Michigan faces number four Ohio State. And the question I want to ask you, Justin, is between these two teams, who has the better chance of competing with Gonzaga and Baylor? Because those are the number one and two teams in the country. I think it's Michigan. I I think Michigan because of their defense. Ohio State's defense is decent, but I really like the way Michigan uh, plays defense. They're allowing teams like in the 50s. Uh, the field goal percentage they're only allowing like less than 40 percent. Um, with Hunter Dickerson down low, kind of commanding the paint down there, the shot blocker. I think you know, and Isaiah Livers. I think they can match um, Gonzaga's front court. You know, you know, Gonzaga. You know. Is deadly from from um, the paint, but I could see Michigan being able to um, be the kind of team that could slow them down. And I do think they're right now the third um, best. They have a bunch of kind of young. They got some transfers, you know, Mike Smith from Columbia, Chani Brown from Wake Forest. So they they have a really nice mix of youth and veteran leadership, which again is a great mix of college basketball. Um, so I, I think it is the Michigan. I think it is Michigan, but Ohio State though is very um, deserving of that number four top or top. You know, number four right now in the top twenty-five. Um, they they are a really good solid team, but I really do. I think Michigan defense is better, and Michigan can shoot the ball. Yeah, and I, I'm happy you talked about Hunter Dickinson because I think he's going to be the difference in this game against Ohio State. I think the size of him is going to be the difference in a really really close Michigan win. Who do you got in this in this rivalry game? Yeah, I got Michigan as well because yeah, Hunter Dickinson seven foot one, and Kyle Young, Ohio State center, is undersized at six foot eight. He usually holds his own, but I think this would be a really tough matchup. Um, you know, he he when he gets the ball down there, he's usually he's not missing um, many shots, and he's shooting like over fifty percent. Not that you know, he's an old school guy. He's he's taking four threes on the year, but he hasn't hit any. He's gonna play in the paint most of the time, which you know. And he's going to finish, and he's going to be a tough matchup. And then you try to double him at times, and Mike Smith, Eli Brooks, uh, Brad Wagner, Wagner, they can all hit threes. So, yeah, you know, um, I think Michigan is the better team. I think Michigan's be able to put up some points. Both teams can score, but I like Michigan's defense. I think they can get enough stops more than Ohio State can on Sunday. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great game, but I think I'm, I think you're right about the difference is going to be Hunter Dickinson. I don't even think it might even, it might not even be scoring. It might be the fact that Ohio State might have to double him in the post and it obviously opens up threes for livers and open up threes for Wagner. Yeah, you're right about that. Now they got so many scores and they're great. They're, they're great too at sharing the ball. They're very unselfish team as well, which works really well for them. So yeah, I, I think they're going to have trouble in that area. Ohio State will. We got big news out of Houston in the NFL like that came that, that came up uh, last week. But before that, we got a promo from Keys to the City. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yeah. to the City. Keys 
I crossed up by Colby, roll floated to Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, it's fun. But I didn't make Don't my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Thank you, uh, Ted and Trevor. Uh, check out Keys to the City every, um, Friday afternoon. Ted, Trevor, and Joe, they'll probably be, they'll be talking about the latest news in the NFL. But we had some news in the NFL on Friday, and that was J.J. Watt requesting his release out of Houston, which which comes as, as no surprise. You've seen what's happening in Houston. That team is completely falling apart. Uh they're going to eventually. They're going to eventually trade Deshaun Watson within the next month. I mean, and and this was no surprise to get rid of JJ Watt. The only the only problem with Houston is why don't you just you know try to see if you can get any value for him? I know he's not the same player, but you didn't even get any value for him. You just let him walk pretty much. So it just it just shows you how Houston is just the Texans. They're just an incompetent organization. They're going to lose Deshaun. They're going to trade. They're going to have to end up trading Deshaun Watson in the next month too. So that team has completely fall apart. It all start. It all stemmed from that. Uh, the DeAndre Hopkins trade last March when they were a Super Bowl contender. And now, right now, they're pretty much the worst team in football, uh, seeing that Watt's going to be released and seeing that they're they're going to be trained, just trading to Sean Watson soon. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, what it, well, yeah, pretty much 11 months, you know, it was, it, you know, from today, pretty they traded Hopkins. It's a totally different feeling in Houston right now. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I am surprised they didn't try to trade him. I'm like – you know, I know it's a cap situation, all that. I know, you know, it's going to be decreasing by, I think, like 30 million, I heard something like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you don't even try to at least, be, you know, at the least get like a third day draft pick or something, like a six or seven, you know, at least get like an extra pick. But, yeah, it's just a totally dysfunctional right now in Houston. It, 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 it's pretty sad to see a team that, yeah, the uh, a year ago, you thought we were Super Bowl contenders, and now it, yeah, they're they're starting from um, step one, step one again, and it's going to be a long, long process for for Houston fans. Absolutely. Now that we know what's happening in Houston, we'll now uh, shift more to JJ Watt and uh, talk about what teams uh, fit him best. And I got five teams that uh, that I think fit him best. I wrote, no, I actually wrote an article about this uh, yeah, last week, yes. but and actually four of the five that I'm going to say now were in my article, but there is a new one. That's not in my article. That wasn't in my article, and I took one other. I took one team out. But the five teams that I think are the best fits: one, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It'll be interesting to see him play with his brother. You know, uh, with 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 T.J. Watt, who's probably the best defensive player in the league. And then obviously we know Derek Watt plays for them too. So it would be nice to see the three Watt brothers playing together. Uh, and Bud Dupree's a free agent, so uh, they'll need they'll need another pass rusher. The problem is, is Pittsburgh is way they're they're over they're way over the salary cap. And I know Watt's going to take less money, but I just don't think this is going to be done. I think a big thing what's going to have to happen is, yes, Marquise Pounce, he did retire, but Big Ben is definitely going to have to restructure his contract for that to work. It's, it's like $41 million they owe. He's going to yeah. he's, he's have he's gonna, really going to have to restructure his contract for that to work. Another team, I think, the second team I thought was a really good fit for Watt is the Packers. I think the, one of, a big reason for that is he's from Wisconsin. They're a championship contender. Uh they need so they, their pass rush was pretty good with Zedarius Smith last year, but I think this would improve their pass rush, especially on the interior with him and Kenny Clark. You'd have Zedarius Smith. You'd probably because they would be over the cap. They would be over the cap too. They probably would have to. Uh, they probably would have to uh, release Preston Smith so uh, t- to make that work. 
Another team I think is a good fit is the Bills. I think I think I think the one the two things that are keeping the Bills away from being the best team in the AFC one is a running back, a good running game, and two is a pass rusher. If JJ Watt could come there, yes, he's not the same player, but with him pairing with Jerry Hughes, and then you have a pretty good secondary with uh, Tre'Davious White, and you have Jordan Poyer, and you have Micah Hyde, so you'd have a really good pass defense. Tremaine Edmonds had a good year at linebacker too. So I think he would definitely, I know, I know he's not the same player, but I did do think he would definitely improve the bills defense. And obviously they're a championship contender too, seeing that they got to the AFC championship game. Uh, one fit would be a really good fit would be the Tennessee Titans. And that's, this is what would make it so, this would be so stupid of Houston not to, you know, not to trade him because you know, if they trade him, they're not trading him to the Titans, but if the Titans could get him. Oh, uh, that would that would that would be that would be big. That would improve their defense because they're they, they were thirtieth in with nine, They were thirtieth in the NFL last year in sacks with nineteen. They could not get off the field on third down at all. They, they this he would really really you know improve that defense if he went there. And my last team it was a team that's been talked about recently, and that's the Browns. I've heard there's been interest of JJ Watt and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he would improve. He would add to a defensive line with Miles Garrett. Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson. He would he would add to that defensive front, and I think you they would take over. They would take over. They would uh, be they would have the best defensive front in the league if JJ JJ Watt went there. They would be a little bit better than Tampa Bay, in my opinion. So I really really like that would like that fit too. If he went to Cleveland, Maybe Cleveland would be loading up uh, on Baker on Baker Mayfield's uh, uh, con- rookie contract, even though they're going to have to pay Baker Mayfield this year th- this offseason. So. So those are those are my five best fits for him: Steelers, Packers, Bills, Titans, and Browns. Justin, what are your five best fits for JJ Watt? Yeah, actually, so I four of the five are um, the same as yours. I got Pitt number one, teaming up with his brothers. Uh, Pitt, I, I obviously, you mentioned the cap um, with the Steelers, but they can get around that and all that. The, add him to that defense up front um, would definitely make this Pittsburgh defense. Again, really, really solid um, as well. The Packers, yeah, he's from the area. From the area, you know, he would love to go. Right, would love to go play for the Packers. You know, go help Rodgers try to go win another ring. I know, yeah, the cap space there um, is, you know, another cap situation there. They'd have to work out, but they add him for another defensive piece, a guy that's hungry to win. Packers are hungry to get another one. I think it would be a really good fit for him. Number three for me, I had the Titans as well. Yeah, they had absolute zero pass rush last year. The Javion Clowney signing did not pan out as well. He knows, you know, he stays in the division, so he knows, mo- you know, he knows those teams. He knows the quarterbacks, you know. Um, so I, I think that could be a really, um, really good fit for J.G. Watt to go to Tennessee again with um, – if they can improve their defense – I know, you know, Tennessee with Henry and all that, I think that um, with their offense not being like explosive offensively, but add help out that defense could make Tennessee really just run away with that. You know, I guess the Colts are there too still, but, you know, they could be big division favorites. Number four, I have Cleveland as well. Um, You get to go up against his brother twice here, which I think he kind of get a kick out of. A team that's hungry to win in Cleveland, you add a a guy like J.J. Watt that hasn't won yet either. I think would um, be a nice fit for him there as well. And definitely, I think if they add to that defensive line, they add J.J. Watt, that that defensive line becomes really, really scary. And, you know, in an already tough division, Cleveland, you know, um, Cleveland could have really big success defensively. And then number five, I actually have my New England Patriots. I think because Lawrence Guy's a free agent, 
Um, Dietrich, um, Wise is a free agent. They have the money, so they're losing two defensive ends. They don't, you know, they have money. You think they're going to um, pay know, Lawrence? You think they're going to pay Lawrence guy though? I'm not. I I think they could, but I'm not. I haven't really seen a ton on him. I was trying to look, but I haven't really seen much on him. I know um, Tooney sounds like he's gone, and him and Andrew sound like they're not going to. It sounds like they're not paying those two. So realistically, you would think Lawrence guy's going to get some money. You know, get money because they got to pay somebody. But we'll. See, you never know what Bill. But you add, you know, you know, Bill's going to be hungry to win again this year to kind of prove it. Again, J.J. Uh, Watt's hungry to win. I think it could be a nice fit to bring him in on this defense. Hopefully, you know, get guys that opted out back last year. So um, I, I would love to see him in New England. Yeah, I mean, that, that, uh, here's here's uh, here's Sean's. I got a comment from Sean. I think Watt to the Browns would make them a legitimate contender. Oh, abs- oh absolutely. Absolutely. It absolutely would. I mean, I think their defensive line would be really good. Their linebackers, um, B.J. Goodson had a pretty good year at linebacker for them last year. They obviously have Denzel Ward in the back end. Uh, and yeah, that would be, I mean, they would, if they get JJ Watt, they're, they're, I mean, they still are a top five to 10 roster in the NFL, but if they get JJ Watt, they're definitely a top five roster. Obviously the only concern with me is can Baker Mayfield continue, can stay, can can continue to stay, can can Baker Mayfield continue to play consistent? Because we saw year one, Mayfield was pretty good. He was the runner up for offensive rookie of the year. Year two, he fell off. Year three, he had a pretty good season. And, and, and I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback, but can he be a quarterback that's good enough to win a championship? And this year, he played close to that level. That was with Kevin Stefanski. He plays at the level where he's good enough. Not he's not he's not Josh Allen, but he's good enough to win it to compete for a Super Bowl with. And if he continues to play the way he did this year, I think the Browns definitely could be contenders. Oh yeah, 100. percent You know, I, I think they kind of figured out Stefanski figured out how to use Baker Mayfield, and you know how you know figured out, you know, his pros and kind of figured out what type of quarterback he is. I, and I think it really benefited Baker. So, yeah, I, you know, and you add that defense, it's not like they're going to have to win a ton of shootouts, you know, maybe against Kansas City, but it's not like they're going to they're gonna need Baker to put 35 points every week. So, yeah, you you add him, you know, long as their, their offense does enough, they should be able to win a lot. Of, they should be able to win a lot of games. I, I definitely, you know, that – Browns would definitely be right there at the AFC, you know, um, with the Bills and with the Chiefs competing. And and the Ravens, too. I still think the Ravens are one of the top teams, too. And and, and, and all the teams that got to the divisional round, I think those are all – if, if, yeah, they get Watt, I'd put them in the top four with the Ravens, with the Bills, and with the Chiefs. So I would put them in the top four in the AFC if they got Watt. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah, 100%. Because, yeah, you know, yeah – with their defense and again year two under Suspansky again you know I guess who knows what's going to happen you know Odell I know the rumors are out there but you add a guy like him back you still have, you know they still have some weapons offensively you had another really solid defensive guy yeah they're 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 right there to compete with anybody in the AFC absolutely absolutely so we're going to go on to Carson Wentz and this story just continues and we're hearing now that the Bears are one of the are, look like the favorite yeah. to get what do you say Oh, I, I heard this more. It sounds like the Colts are not um, up in their offer, so it sounds like they're they're saying put. So that sounds like the Bears are the only. So it team. looks like it's going to be the Bears who are going to probably end up trading for him, and that means Judge Trubisky's gone. That means Nick Foles is gone. The only issue with with Carson Wentz going to the Bears is is he's got a big cap hit, and are they going to be able to either franchise or sign Allen Robinson? I don't mind him going to the Bears 
if Allen Robinson gets franchised or signed. But the problem is, if say, say Robinson is gone, you look at this offense. Offensive line, very shaky. Uh, not great at tight end. Uh, running back, David Montgomery played well at the end of the year, but he's been inconsistent throughout his career in Chicago. But I feel like he's on the way up. But if you if you get rid of Allen Robinson, who are your receivers? Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, uh, Javon Wims. You saw Wims drop that touchdown pass in the playoff game. It's pretty much going to be. And with, with Matt Nagy's head coach, who worked with Doug Peterson in Kansas City uh, when Andy Reid was the coach, this could be like Philadelphia all over again if they don't re-sign Allen Robinson. If they're going to go out and you know trade for Carson Wentz, I feel like it's got to be a priority for them. And they get that somehow they're going to have to clear out uh, clear cap space and get rid of some people. But I think it's got to be a priority for them to sign Allen Robinson too, because there's it makes no sense to trade for Carson Wentz and not resign and not resign Allen Robinson. So I think obviously I think Indy was definitely a better fit no matter what. But if if uh, Chicago doesn't resign Allen Robinson, it could be it, Chicago could be as bad of a fit as it was in Philly last year. Totally. You know, you saw that Bears offensive line was not very good at all. You saw the Eagles offensive line wasn't, it was awful as well last year. You know, yeah, you don't add Robinson back. I, I thought I saw something too that they have not spoken since September, like about, you know, kind of extending Robinson's contract. So, yeah, because there were rumors that there was rumors that he wanted out of there. I remember it was the, it was the week yeah. they played against the Giants. There were rumors that Robinson wanted out of Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah, very bad. So, yeah, I, you know, I think at this point it's going to be pretty tough. He said he was open to returning to the Bears or Jaguars. You know, how, you know, and how true is that statement? But you would think, you know, the Bears would want him back. That's all they all they have. And, yeah, you had a guy like Carson. Again, I know John uh, – I was reading something to John DiFilippa, who was the quarterback's coach. DiFilippa, yeah. Yeah. He was was the quarterback's coach and then won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so – him and Nagy, I saw something saying that they think they can kind of rebuild him and, and fix him, but it's tough when you don't have an offense. You you don't really have much of an offense around them to you know to rebuild them. It's so yeah, you know if they get a Robinson again, if they totally draft a wide receiver, I know they don't have a first round pick, and you know that's why I'm more because I know the Eagles want a first round pick too for once, but the Bears don't have one right now. You know the Raiders have it. Um, but yeah, it it'd be interesting. I thought the Colts would be a better fit for him as well than the Bears because they have more around them. They have a good offensive line. But yeah, with the Bears, they lose right. It's it definitely does feel like Philly all over again. I don't know what what good you're doing to Carson Wentz bringing him to Chicago. No, no. I mean, yeah, it it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think maybe his head will be cleared a little bit. I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. not. I mean, I know. I think being you know not. Being a part, being a part of their Super Bowl run in 2017, I thought things were kind of messing with his head in Philadelphia. I think you know him and Peterson were not on the same page, so maybe a change in scenery could help. But it's not, it's not. I, I, don't, I still don't see the Bears as maybe winning more than nine games with Car- if they sign Carson Wentz. And if they, it, uh, if they, if they get rid of Ro- if Robinson isn't there and Wentz is there, I don't see them winning more than eight, nine games. No, I, I'm with you there. I don't either. You got the Packers. You think the Vikings are going to be better than you know they were last year? Obviously, the lines aren't going to be very good. Yeah, they, they probably finished starting the, the, the division. Yeah, I, I could see them finishing right around 500 or, you know, maybe even a game game or two less. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't really see it from the Bears unless, yeah, they unless they draft or unless they're going to go sign a Robinson or somebody else to go, to go along with it, it, it could definitely be another long year for the Bears. 
Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, the Bears didn't have a terrible. They got they came out at the end of last year, but yeah, yeah still, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah it's it's a year where they, they they won't they would be around probably seven to eight wins if they don't sign Allen Robinson, and and I think that's the only way that this this thing works. Uh, if if Wentz gets traded to Chicago, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What are you say, Justin? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. You know, maybe the defense is steal a game or two, but that's about it. Yeah, exactly. Know, I could see that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But we have some sad news in the NFL that came up on Monday, and it is the passing of Vincent Jackson. Uh, he passed away at 38 years old on Monday. Uh, he was, as we all know, he was one of the top receivers in football for a, a, a good part of time. He was with the Chargers from 2006 to 2011, uh, then was with the Bucks from 2000 and, uh, and 12 to 2016. Unfortunately, he passed away on uh, on Monday, and the cause of death is not known yet, but – just a really, really sad, sad thing that happened to Vincent Jackson. And it's just so sad for to feel so bad for Vincent Jackson and his family. And we hope that his family is is hanging in there right now. But just, just a really sad. It was a really sad day in the NFL on Monday losing Vincent Jackson. Yeah, you know, um, big surprise. You know, when you know, you when I heard the news about that, um, you know, definitely had a really, really solid career. Um, you know. Over 9,000 yards, 57 touchdowns. I think three Pro Bowls he went to. Um, he was nominated like four times for, you know, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Uh, yeah, you know, um, really, really good guy. Seems like two off the field. I, he was he was an owner of a restaurant. Um, I think he's doing some charity work still, like with military families. Like, again, he just seems like a really, really good guy. Um, I liked watching him play with, with, when he was at the Chargers and, and Broncos. Or, fucking years um so yeah it, you know really sad news and definitely condolences to to his family oh without question without question it just it's just it's just 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 so sad to just to see this happen and to, to a to a guy that was you know one of the best players in the nfl for one of the top players in the league for a good a good amount of years yeah he was um he definitely was yeah it, you know it you know it was Definitely, yeah, shocking to hear the news. Definitely one of the one of the better players during his time at by a wide receiver. Um, it's yeah, it was definitely very unfortunate. You know, um, he was, you know, wish he got a shot to get a Super Bowl or something. But um, yeah, he was definitely a really, really uh, solid player in his time. Yeah, you wish he did. I mean, he was close a couple of times. I mean, with the Chargers there, his rookie year in 09. And then after he left the Chargers, it was hard in Tampa Bay. I mean, it's not the way it is now with Tom Brady. I mean, back in the days when the Bucs had Josh Freeman, and then it was back in the days when the Bucs had, you know, Mike, Mike Glennon, now Joe's guy, Mike Glennon, uh, uh, Mike Glennon. And uh, uh, no, it's his rookie year he was there. I think the first couple of years, the first couple of years of James, he was there. And then Josh McCowan, he was there that one year too with McCowan. So, yeah, it's hard to win when you have those kind of quarterbacks. But, yeah, he was close a couple times with the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, they 14 and two year. Yeah, they – they got yeah um that 2000 yeah because um that 2009 game when they played the Jets I know they lost but he had like 11 catches 110 yards or something against Revis and then, you know yeah. they couldn't yeah, that was about they couldn't you know rest of the team couldn't help them out no nope 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 not at all not at all so just just recap just sad day in the NFL on Monday losing Vincent Jackson and unfortunately at this point the cause of death has not been there's no cause of death there's no cause of death has not been They've not figured that out yet, but just an unfortunate day in the NFL on Monday. Yeah, it, it definitely was. You know, it's 
too bad, you know. It's for me, it's kind of weird seeing, you know, a guy I do remember watching already pass on like this, but yeah, it, it was definitely sad news to hear about that Monday. Yes, yes, yes. But we got to get on to the NBA, and we and there was a big injury Sunday night as uh, AD uh, had an Achilles injury, and he's and he's going to be out till the All Star break. Uh, but I think if you're the Lakers, it should be longer. I don't think you put AD on that court until he's 100%. Seeds do not matter, okay? Yes, the Clippers are a title contender, but in my opinion, the Clippers don't have Doc Rivers this year. I think that the Lakers are a better team than the Clippers. The Lakers are absolutely a better team than the Utah Jazz, and I do not want to hear that they're not, okay? If you look at the Jazz, their best player is Donovan Mitchell. If you're drafting two players when they're healthy, you are taking LeBron James and Anthony Davis over Donovan Mitchell uh, every every day of the week, okay? And if you look at the Jazz, uh, yes, they have a great record. I get it. But who is their second best player? They got a lot of they got a lot of decent players. Rudy Gobert, uh, Mike Connolly, uh, Bodan Bagdanovich, uh, Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson and coming off the bench. And Jordan Clarkson's, Clarkson is the sixth man of the year. But they are not a better team than the Lakers. The Lakers can go into Utah and win both those games. And I think per, and I think if they play them in a seven-game series, I don't think it goes more than five games. I, I think that I think that the Lakers win that series convincingly. So if you're the Lakers, I think you're you're going to get back to the finals if you just play this play your cards right and sit sit Anthony Davis until he's 100. I don't care what seed the Lakers get. I think the Lakers are the best team in the West, no matter what seed they are. So I then I think because if you go on the road and play the, play the Clippers, it doesn't matter because that's your arena. And then I think they they can beat the Jazz, who don't have a great number second best player outside of Donovan Mitchell. So. If you're the Lakers, you sit them until he is 100%. Yeah, I think you do, you know. And I think, too, with the depth that they have as well, you got a Kyle Kuzma this year. Um, you know, you got Montez Harold. You know, um, you got um, Marquise Morris. So, yeah, you know, they have the depth where they could go some time and, and they should be okay without AD, obviously. You know, none of those guys are AD. But I think you still got LeBron. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, per- the Lakers, they, they definitely should just take his time with AD and just not rush him back. So it's nothing more serious because, you know, obviously we, we've seen Achilles injuries could be absolutely, you know, devastating. I know KD's been great off his so far, but yeah, it could be a long road to recovery if it does get worse. And it, so, yeah, I think for the Lakers, they should just rest him up until, you know, he's 100%, not rush him back. There's really no, you know, I'm with you. There's really no point. They are they are the best team in the Western Conference. Um, and again, you have LeBron in the playoffs. It really doesn't matter what seat he is. You know, um, he's going to be able to. You know, he's going to be able to win some series. So, yeah. Rest of the percent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If you look at their schedule, you know, uh, uh, before the All Star break, obviously they got a tough game Thursday night, which we'll get to against Brooklyn. Uh, they got they got the game against the Heat on Saturday on Saturday night. Yeah, it's a tough game, but I think they can handle the Heat with with just LeBron James. Uh, you got the Wizards. You got, of course, you got Jace Garcia's, you know, Utah Jazz on a on on Wednesday uh, next Wednesday, and and you know, you know he'll be bragging unless even though they don't have. K- uh, AD, he'll be bragging if you know Utah wins that game, which it doesn't matter if they lose to Utah in that game. They got Portland on uh, that Friday, Golden State, and then Phoenix and Sacramento. So the schedule is pretty tough. So they 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 definitely, I think, might end up going 500. But the thing is, is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all if they go 500 because if AD's 100 percent and LeBron's 100 percent, 
The only team, in my opinion, that could beat them is the Nets. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I I don't know if the Clippers have enough depth to stop the Lakers. Um, again, I, w- I would love to see, like, the Jazz get to the finals. But, yeah, you, you need that second star player in the NBA nowadays to get to a – to win – to beat, like, a Laker. You know, you need that second superstar. Which they don't have. They, they have a lot of really good um, players, but not a great one. Um, but, yeah, I, I would think at that point it's really – the Nets are the only team that could beat them, and they should be fine no matter what seed they are heading into the Western Conference play- or into the NBA playoffs. Oh, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I don't think I don't think it's really going to make a difference. And speaking of the Nets, the Nets do play the Lakers in LA on a Thursday night. And the thing about it is, it would have been you know a really great game if AD would have played. And and the and the Nets have some guys out too. They got they might Kyrie and KD might not play that game as well. But look at the way the Nets are playing. I think the best thing the Nets have done is they've moved James Harden to the point guard position because he's had, you know, a close to triple doubles than the two games he's played in, in, in the game against the Warriors. He was close to having a triple double. I think he might have had a triple double against the Kings. I'm not sure if he had a triple double or not against the Kings. But him playing the point guard and having Kyrie play the shooting guard makes all the difference for this team. I don't trust Kyrie playing point guard. Keep Kyrie off the ball. Let him do what he does best and score. Let James Harden orchestrate. Let him get the let him get the ball to Durant and Kyrie. And I feel like this offense is going to be unstoppable. And I think this team, I think this team right now, they're definitely the best team in the East. I think you could argue that they're the best team in the NBA. Seeing what they did last, so seeing what James Harden did last night was which was amazing. They were down twenty four to the Suns without without Kyrie or KD. They end up winning that game. So. Wait till they get when Kyrie and, and uh, KD get healthy, and the, and the way they're playing right now with uh, with with Harden at the at the point, I think I think they're 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 going to roll, and I think they're going to win Thursday night if everyone's healthy against the Lakers. Yeah, actually, um, I watched one day when they played my Kings, where um, oh, they they, they beat them pretty good. Yeah, they hang in there with the first half, and then the twenty hour run. Oh, and then, um, hang so. in there in the first half. A lot of NBA teams hang in there in yeah, the first I, half. I guess. And Kevin Durant didn't play either. No, I didn't. Look, I, I'm okay with it. I'm not a big loot walling guy, so the more losses, the merrier for me, I guess, at this point. Um, but, you know, and I was – so I wasn't really impressed with the way that James Harden was playing the point. Um, and I think Kyrie said it. Like, he, he he much rather kind of be off the ball, and he feels like he's a better player off the ball, which I, I think he is. And James Harden kind of said it just less daunting on him, too, that, you know, that – he doesn't have to take 40 shots and he doesn't have to be the man anymore. And I think, you know, and they've kind of just embraced the roles and look, I, so far I've kind of been wrong. I thought this was going to turn into like a soap opera, you know, it's a comedy act, but it so far they're, they're really playing well. I was, um, you know, again, I saw a little bit of the end of the first half, uh, last night, and I went to bed because again they were down. Well, That's what I did. I was, I was yeah, yeah, I was watching the first half. I'm like, they're they're down 25. All right, they're they're all right. Yeah. Game night where they don't have Durant, don't have don't have Kyrie. All right, they're gonna lose this game by 20 points. I'll go to bed. Yeah. Then I wake up and see Nets won. I'm like what? Yeah, yeah just was, amazing. And 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 Harden did have a triple double against your Kings. The yeah, other he night. did. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was shock. Cool. It shocked me that the Nets won that game. It was like yeah. it just shows you how. I mean, you could hate love or hate James Harden. It shows you how good James Harden is. Yeah, it does. When he's on, he he's he can he's on. You know, those, those nights he's hitting shots. He's impossible to stop, and that's you know. Then you add him with a Kyrie as a KD, and the um again, it's like even like a guy like Joe Harris that could, you know, he had twenty two last night. He was eighteen eight for thirteen. Like he's a guy that 
he can step up, you know, he can, he can shoot. So yeah, it just, there's just so many options for that team. It's just, who do you want to guard? It's, and then it's the other two guys to beat you or even Joe Harris. It's just, yeah. You know, uh, they're, they're just in pot. They're just tough to stop. It was pretty wild. That, yeah. When I woke up and I saw that they actually won, I was, I was stunned, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, they're, they're a fun, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're a fun team to watch and then they're playing well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think the two teams playing Thursday night are the best teams in the NBA, best top two teams in the NBA. But the thing is, is we won't see all the best players, unfortunately. But I think for the game, I think that's obviously it's going to be a fun, exciting game, but I got the Nets winning close. Yeah, I think the Nets, I think if AD was healthy, I'd probably lean more towards the Lakers. But yeah, without, without AD, I think it's going to be a tough time for the Nets. Uh, I think for the Lakers to try to slow these guys down. Um, I, I, I'm going to take the Nets away. They're playing, but it should be interesting. Lakers defense has been really, really good. It should be interesting to see how, um, how the Lakers defense does against Edith Brooklyn on a Thursday night. It should be a fun one, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Nets. Absolutely. 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 It should be a good one, but we got to get to Andre Drummond and, uh, the Cavaliers have decided to sit Andre Drummond until they're able to trade him. And there was some backlash there. I mean, uh, Draymond Green was not happy about them sitting Andre Drummond. He said there's a double standard in the league because you you tell back when James Harden wanted to get traded, he had to play in those games for the Rockets. But when uh, but now that the, the team wants to trade somebody, uh, uh, they can just sit somebody. So he's like saying the player should just have the power to say, if, if the player wants to play, just have him go out there and play. The team just can't force you to uh, – the, the team just can't be – you can't be forced just to sit. The team can't uh, – just sit a guy because they want to sit somebody. The player should just want to play. So I think, I, yes, in a league where there's a lot of player power, I think there should be more power by the players. And I think Draymond Green's right with his comments. I actually disagree with you. Now, the thing because I haven't seen it. Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin have not come out and said that they want to play, right? If they came out and said they, they want to play, they don't want to be benched, then fine. Then I agree with you and Draymond Green. But if they haven't, I, I, I disagree. If he wants to sit out too to get ready for another team, that's fine with me. You know, if he really want, if Drummond and Blake Griffin really, really want to go out there and play, I, I, you know, I think we'd, we'd be hearing their voices right now. I think we'd be hearing them complain about that. Um, again, I kind of think, you know, again, I don't, it was a weird move for Drummond to go to Cleveland that they Detroit trade him there. You know, I don't think he wants to be there. I think he wants to go play for contender and I don't think he wants to risk getting injured and having to sit, and, and watch the Cleveland Cavaliers for the next few months. So I I, just, I do I, – I would definitely agree with you if they actually came out and said something and that, you know, it's unfair that I want to go out there and play, but the owners or coaches don't want me – you know, won't let me, then I agree with you. But if he's just going to sit there and be quiet and, and it seems like he's in agreement with them, then I'm totally fine with it. You know, I again, if you want, you know, you, I, I – I'm actually okay with it. As long, as long as he's not complaining about it, I, I kind of disagree. It's I understand. You know. I, I could tell how you're okay with it because this is the part you don't like about the NBA, that the players yeah. have too much power. But, you know, if the – but it is a double standard though. So, like, if the player wants out, he has to still play. But if the, you know, the team doesn't want to play the player, they can just sit the player. That I think that's wrong. I think the player should, should have a say. And if he wants to play, he should play. The team should not – you know, force a player not to play. I, I, I think I, I think that, you know, I think a, a team shouldn't force a player not to play. I feel like that 
the Cavs should be letting Drummond play right now. They should, but the only thing about the Harden one is, is like you can't act like that though. You can't come in the training camp overweight and just again. He wasn't. He wasn't giving his. He even Harden said it the other day. Justin, he, he actually feels bad for what he did to Houston. He does about feel the way he acts. I know, but it's a players' league, dude. The the yeah, uh, and the NBA is a players' league. I will side with the players a hundred times out of a hundred in this league. Okay. Because players win I, championships. I, Organizations don't win championships. Players win championships in the NBA. I know that. I I, I do. But I understand it is, it is a player's league. But as long as there – it doesn't seem like there's an issue, though, with Andre Drummond about not playing. If there was an issue with it, okay, I understand. You know, if the player wants to, you know, look, if James Harden didn't want to play, just sit out then. You know, like I think he probably could have, you know – he was over. He wasn't even given his full effort. They, the Rockets are a better team without him right now. Like they were, they were playing well, better. They were him. when they had all the depot and Wood healthy. I'll give you that. But not. I mean, but they do miss him. I mean, if they had him, they, they would still him, be a yeah. playoff team. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm saying they're playing. They're they're playing more together without. Him. Like they're, you know, it seems like they're yeah, more. But, but, but what does that get you playing together without the guy? It gets you to like lose like five straight games. They've been. They've, the Rockets are like. They're, like they're the they're in fourteenth in the Western Conference. But yeah, yeah, I know they've been you know. Um, but the thing is, yeah, but I I guess in the NBA it's it's tough. But I think without um, but like do they like Wall and Cousins are very set. They like they're better. You know, like again, you lose kind of that toxic guy in James Harden that lot. You know, with the way he was acting on his way out the door. Like yeah, that's just they're more involved. Yeah, that, that's what I agree with you there. The, the Rockets do play better as a team, and with the Drummond situation, uh, I agree with you. Where, uh, yeah, he he never said he didn't want to play. So I agree with the fact that you feel like okay, the Cavs are doing the right thing sitting. Yeah, because it's like if if it's if it's fine with both sides, and Cavs want more, if the Cavs actually want to get rid of them, which they do, and they just want to get picture. Just continue to rebuild. I'm fine as long as Drummond, Drummond's fine with sitting out and saying, okay, that's that's cool with me. I'm good with it. Yeah, Drummond had the issue with it. I'd say, okay, you, you gotta let Drummond play. It, again, we if it was a if they if there was a finalized deal about to go down in a few hours, then yeah, he'd have to sit out, you know, to finalize the deal and whatever. But yeah, I, you know, I understand I do see where I or Dream My Dream's coming from, but I think in this He's, you know, he shouldn't have said it unless the Drummond actually had an issue with it. I, that, that's just me. I kind of just felt like he just wanted some FaceTime. He just wanted to bring something up. I don't to me. I just that's kind of how I felt about it. But I do know where he, he. I see him coming from. But we just don't have the issue right now with Drummond. So that's why I'm like, I don't. Yeah, I, I think I think we, we both. I think we both see we see both sides of the of the coin. I think I see your side where yeah, Drummond really doesn't have an issue, and you see my side where yeah, Draymond's gonna speak is gonna speak out because he wants to defend the players. Yeah, you know, and again, yeah, it's, it, which I get, and I'm I'm fine with the, the most of the time. You know, as long as it's something that's gonna help the game and help the sport. I, you know, can you really can't. Complain about that. So, yeah, it's no issue. I completely agree. I'd be on the player side of it. I'd be on Draymond's side about it. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's a good it's a good topic of conversation. Definitely, it's a, it makes for good debate. And yeah, we'll see what ends up happening here. But for Andre Drummond, we got to look at what fits are the best fits for Andre Drummond. And I, and I and I came up with four teams. The first one was the Toronto Raptors. Obviously, with them losing Serge Ibaka, they really need a big man inside. Uh, you know, they got good guard, really good guard play with Van Fleet and Lowry. I mean, Siakam's a good a good four, but they would be they would they would be uh, big, another big man would be good for them. I know it may not make them a championship contender, but I think if if, if the Raptors did get Drummond, they would be a playoff team. Number two, the Boston Celtics. Daniel Tice is not should not be be playing the number five position in the NBA. I think if you put uh if you put you know Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, uh, Jason Tatum, and, and uh, Andre Drummond together, that's a team that could potentially because of that big man, that you could put them in that conversation. I don't know as good as the Nets, but I think they could be as good as the Bucks and the Sixers if they could acquire Andre Drummond. The Mavs, that's another team with Luka, with Luka and Christos Porzingis. Another, Porzingis has trouble defending bigs. You know, he's, he's, he's just his defense is not great. He's a he's not he's a good he's a really good scorer, but he's not good defensively, and he really has trouble defending number fives. So if you can get an Andre Drummond there, then Porzingis can move back to the four. Uh, that they, they, they're probably they'll probably end up trading Hardaway, but then yeah, you could have you know Doncic, Richardson, uh, Finney Smith, uh, Porzingis, and uh, Drummond. Again, they would clearly be a playoff team and a team that could make some noise in the Western Conference playoffs. Not saying they'd be better than the Lakers or the Clippers, but they could make noise in the Western Conference if they got Andre Drummond. Uh, and my fourth team is the is the Clippers, and say they make this move, get another get another big man. I and you, and you add him with Paul George, you add him with uh, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I think that they could get over the hump and, and maybe beat the Lakers in the Western Conference. Who are your four teams, Justin? I have an agreement. Three out of your four. Um, number four is probably going to surprise you, but I think you'll like that number four one. Uh, but number one for me is the Raptors. Yeah, you know they losing surge has been a huge. Um, Huge um, hole, hole that they've had to, you know, that they have not been able to fill this year. Him and Siakam in that front court. I know it's not a front court league anymore, but I, I think, yeah, the, the Toronto Raptors would be definitely a playoff team adding him into the mix. Um, number two with the Celtics, yeah, you know, um, they need that five spot right now. They they need they need a big guy. They're really, I think they're they're fifteenth in rebounding. You know, middle of the pack, but I think you added a kind of big dominant guy, and they have the trade um, exception too from Gordon Hayward, so they can use that on him because I think Drummond's owed like twenty-seven million or something like that. Um, I think he can make a huge difference for the for the Celtics. He could be a mismatch nightmare for the Nets. They don't really, you know, against DeAndre Jordan. He could be. Jordan's not what he was a few years ago. So I think you know they. Probably not going to beat the Nets, but I think they could give them a series. They can, you know, I think they could give them six, seven games. So the Celtics are number two. Number three for me are the LA Clippers. I know they don't have a ton of trade value to give up, but again, he, you know, Drummond's a rental, so you won't have to, you know, you don't have to give up two, three for a grounder, which they don't have at the moment. You add another star player to go up against a, um, a LeBron and AD in the Western Conference. Um, again, Probably still not – probably close to the Lakers. Um, but adding another guy there, I think, um, would really help the Clippers out, a guy that can match AD size. Uh, number four is – I have the New York Knicks at number four. He's a rental. Mitchell Robinson's out for – you know, with a wrist injury, probably for a month or so. They have $17 million in cap. If they really want to 
show the rest of the league that they want to compete and they're no laughing stock anymore. You know, look, they're not going to be a title contender, but you add him here. Um, I know um, uh, who's been um, Julius Randle's been playing well for them, but I, you know, him and um, Julius Randle been playing well. So I, you know, I think the Knicks can kind of really show the league that they're not going to be the laughing stock anymore. And we're going to, you know, we're trying to change the narrative of our franchise if you go out and get this guy. And I think it changes the Knicks fan base is kind of showing, hey, we're going, you know, we're going to try this year. Yeah, we may not be the Nets, but, you know, and, and again, maybe you try to, you know, maybe you can resign on Jay John. He's, you know, he's from Connecticut. Maybe he wants to play close to home. You never know. So I, I have the Knicks out there. It's kind of more of a wild card. And I really like that you brought up the Knicks because yeah, if they could, if they go out and acquire an Andre Drummond, they went out and already got Derrick Rose. This will sh- this will show people that the Knicks are a team that's going in the right direction with Leon Rose with Tom Thibodeau. This is a team that is going in the right direction. And I, if they can make this trade, and you know the Knicks, you know maybe win that in that maybe win in that play in tournament, maybe win you know a game a, advance, win the play in tournament, and then get to the get get into the playoffs. That will show people there is growth in this franchise, and that could potentially draw free agents to the Knicks. Yeah, totally. And I think, and again, it it should not be hard for the Knicks to get big, big uh, free agents in New York. It, it really shouldn't. And I know it's been it's been tough for the Knicks for the last years, but yeah, you you, you know, it definitely does change that narrative. So yeah, as you said, already adding Rose, Randall's been really, really good. Uh, I know you played really well against the Hawks Monday night. So yeah, you add a guy like this. Man, it, yeah, it definitely changes the whole the whole narrative of the Knicks. It really shows that they're growing, and you know, they're trying they're trying to get to a title. Absolutely, without question, without question. So to wrap up the NBA, we got to talk about the COVID issue with the Spurs. As four players have tested positive on the Spurs for COVID nineteen, and uh, their next three games have been postponed. The game to get tonight against the Cavs, the game at the Knicks on Saturday, and then the game on Monday against the uh, Pacers. So. This, it's still out there, COVID. There's still issues with what's going on with COVID. And uh, the NBA is going to have a pretty backloaded second half of the second half schedule because of all these COVID issues with all these teams in the first half. Yeah, they will. It's going to be interesting how they play. You know, it's again, I know the players, it's, you know, I wonder because I know, I think it's been working. Oh, again, I know NHL's been hit, but it's been, you know, NHL's doing a lot of back-to-backs, you know, or even giving one night off and you're playing the same opponent twice to, to reduce, like, um, you know, travel and testing, it, it, you know, to kind of reduce all that and you're playing the same team twice in a row. Like, you know, again, I don't know if it's possible to for the NBA to do that in the second half, but it should be something to look into. It kind of keeps teams in the city for a second straight. They've been, they, they've been doing in the first half, playing teams in the same cities. They've been doing that in the first half. The the NBA. Yeah, oh, they've yeah. been doing they've been doing it in the first half a good amount. They've had yeah. teams play in the same cities to prevent this, but still, it's unpreventable because of all the traveling. Yeah. And you can't have when a Western Conference team plays an Eastern Conference team. You can't do that because they only play once a year. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's you know, I guess that's a tough part. I you know, I, yeah, I kind of like to you know with. Baseball did in Indiana Children kind of just did divisional and kind of reduced all the teams you played. I think the NBA, yeah, and I know the NBA wants like these Lakers Nets games and all that. So I understand why the, the NBA wanted to do it. But um, I think it could have been somewhat safer. Maybe again, it's, it's, it's tough, but yeah, it's still out there. It's still, you know, it, it, you know, 
you're still going to have to keep playing through it. And I know for the Spurs too, they've been playing well. So it's kind of tough where it's, you're kind of in a rule right now. It's like, okay, you, you got to sit out, you know, two weeks. So it's tough, but it is what it is. Every third, you know, all 30 teams are probably going to have to deal with it at some point. You're not going to, you're not probably going to um, be affected by it. You know, you're going to be affected by it at some point or another this year. And you just kind of got to go through it, but yeah, it's going to be interesting the backlog and, um, again, it could it affect maybe playoff teams that have to fight to the final few days to get in the playoffs. Like, you, you know, who know, you know, who knows what the schedule is going to look like? Cause we're even seeing the college teams at this point, you know, smaller where they're playing three, four games a week. Um, like it's, again, it's, that's rare for college guys. And again, it's probably gonna have to end, happen in the NBA as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It will be interesting because the second half schedule is going to come out you know, in a week or two, it's going to be interesting to see how they put that schedule together. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, um, you would, you know, it, it's with, yeah, cause I know, cause they, they kind of got rid of back to back as much as possible. Cause I know the players didn't like it. And, and with these, you know, rest days or whatever they call them, um, it's, we could be probably seeing more of that. Teams have to play three or four. Teams. Oh, they're going to play a lot of back-to-backs in the second half, and they played a decent amount in the first half. But they're going to play a lot of back-to-backs in the second half. And it's going to be interesting how the, you know again. And I know it's it is what it is this year. But are the players going to you know be okay with that? Again, I think it could it could you know for teams could affect them for the playoffs. Who knows? But yeah, it'll be very interesting how they do it. But it's just. All the travel, so you hope soon, but yeah, probably for the rest of the NBA slate, you're gonna have to just go through the go through the battle. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens with these teams going forward in the second half schedule. We should have that out by next week, but we got to wrap up the show, and we're gonna talk about that, talking about Gus Malzahn being hired at uh, UCF, and I got a couple of questions for you, Justin. Uh, first one is. Can they keep their consistent success with this hire? I think they're going to be able to. I think this is such a great hire, I think, for both sides. UCF's one of the best group of five jobs out there. It's a, you're playing in Orlando, Florida. It's a great atmosphere, um, I believe, too. They have some great facilities on there. And for Gus Malzahn, he's not going to use them as a springboard. You know, I don't think he's going to get a, take another power five job. He can just stay here until he's, he's ready to kind of um, retire or, or – Whatever. So I, I think this is a great job for um, a great spot for him. Again, with his offense of mind, if he could do a quarterback, UCF should be the top team in the American year in year out. Yeah, and that was actually going to lead me to my next question. Do you think they're going to be the best team year in year out with him as the head coach, seeing the success Cincinnati had last year? Yeah, you know, it's going to be tough. Maybe not next year with Luke Fickle and with everything Cincinnati's got coming back. Maybe tough not to win it. You know, and, and then by the end of next next season, I would think Luke Fickle's going to have a power five job. So who knows what happens since he I, – I think, you know, UCF's going to be able to rule this conference. Like, they, you know, conference you say, they, you know, it seems like every year they were in the um, they were in the title game. I think, you know, consistently they should be a 9-10 win program. I think, you know, he should recruit really well in the state of Florida. Again, I think they can pull some transfers as well that aren't playing at big-time schools. So, yeah. I think, you know, year in, year out, they should be the best program in the American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at where UCF is, right? In Orlando, they can get a lot of recruits. You know, you can get a lot of recruits from Florida down south. 
And if you can get those kind of recruits, it's very easy. You saw that. We saw you saw uh, Scott Frost do it. You saw Josh Heupel do it. It's very easy to compete in this conference to get if you, when you can recruit really well. Yeah, it is. And actually, I like to bring up um, Heupel and, and Frost. Actually, I wanted to go back to that for a sec. He's probably. I think he's a better coach than Josh Heupel too. I think. I think he is. Even Scott Frost right now. Again, yeah, look, he's, he's in Harris dumpster fire. But yeah, but look at him in Nebraska. He's not. This yeah. is his third year in Nebraska, and, and they haven't had a winning season yet. No, I know it's been a dumpster fire, so I've been trying to give him some time. But it, it, again, it doesn't look like it's getting any better. So you could say, you know, um, Gus Malzahn may be the best coach the last, you know, last three guys that they've had there. So yeah, you know, it, again, I, he should be able to win that American Conference year in and year out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this guy got to let's not forget this guy got to a national champion, won won the SEC in 2013, and was this close to winning the national championship when he was at Auburn. Yeah, and they they were right there. And again, he's a guy too that's beaten Saban three times. Nobody, I don't. There's not too many coaches out there that have beaten Saban three times. So, um, yeah, he's he's been close. I know it just he's a he's a good coach. I know the problem with. The only issue I've seen with him is just he just hasn't been able to go up the quarterback. And if he can do that, I think they, they, they're going to they're going to be fine again. Yeah, I didn't. You can yep. know that, you know, he was going to get fired at Auburn just because of the expectations there. Yeah. And, the, and, and Bo Nix wasn't as good as people yeah. thought he was going to be in his sophomore year. Yeah, that too. He, he really did not take off like people expected. And it, there was a lot more. Um, I think, you know, again, year in year out, Auburn fans. Want to and they think they're gonna be Alabama, and that they want to be Alabama. And again, you you know you win six, seven games, they don't like that, and that's that's kind of been the issue. And again, because he's a solid coach, it just wasn't meant. You know, it just it's tough to win in Auburn. It's it's tough to please people in Auburn. It really is. Yeah, they have those high expectations. They won that national championship in 2010. They got there in 2013. They had that undefeated season in 2004. So. Auburn always has high expectations when they have a seven and five season in a tough SEC. That's disappointing. It is, you know, and I, and I understand it against the SEC, it's SEC West, you know, your arch rivals Alabama with Nick Saban built there. It's, it's, it's tough. You know, again, there's a reason why not every team out here is Alabama. It really takes a special type of coaching do what he can and staff to be able to do what Bama's done and what Clemson's done. And again, it's, it's not easy. And yeah, you know, Auburn's usually never at the basement, but you know, again, some years it's third or fourth and it's just not good enough. You know, they, they gotta, you know, the fans need to beat Bama. It's kind of, they need 10, 11 wins. They need to be in the playoff conversation every single year. It's just, you know, they're going to want, you know, they're going to want you out. Absolutely. 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 So let's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RNJ. For Jace Garcia, our producer, who did a great job. For Justin Anafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week, hopefully talking about a Carson Wentz trade. Have a great weekend, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event.